Inheritrix Productions. Sheroes and Zeros with the Moxie Sisters. Well, here we are again. Hi, Roxy. Hello, Foxy. Hi, Moxie friends out there. How's everybody doing? How are you doing? We can't speak for all of our friends out there, but we can talk about ourselves. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we can. Um, I'm good today. It's The sun is shining. Mm-hmm. The temperature is right about where I like it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just a good day. Yeah, it is. It's a good good day day to talk about badass women. It's exciting to be back. We are still in our celebration of the month of November and celebrating Indigenous Heritage Month. So we have some exciting things for today, and uh, I don't know. I think, I think once we get to the end of the show, it'll be an altogether satisfying day. But you know, heads up, we are going to be talking about some pretty intense shit. So that is our work to do, but also trigger warnings because it is going to get pretty heavy at certain points. We'll try to make it funny as yeah, best one can. As with this we do, sort of shit we show will try we'll be... to find the humor yeah. in these things. Um, <laughs> yes. But I do have some previously on. Do you have previously ons? I do, okay. as a matter of fact. You so, in okay. our previously on with um, Gwenny Goop and Shiro badass Lenita Warjack, with Ms. Gwenny Goop, I said that she, you'd asked if she was 40. I said she's 48. Mm-hmm. And I never got back around to oh, how yeah. I knew that. Well, here's how I knew that because I brought up the fact that she had blamed weight gain on COVID. People had a problem with that because she is 48, as she has admitted to, surprisingly. And it's harder to hide now in the age of the internet. Right. Everyone can I think just she would if she could, since, date, you know, she you had know. all those ageist comments to make. But anyway. Well, she's been trashed since she was 29, according to her own yes. uh, metrics. So, yeah. she, her good years are gone. So, Long what can ago. one do? Um, anyway, so. <laughs> She has also talked about being premenopausal, so that would explain weight gain, and that was why people were like, bitch, don't be blaming this on COVID. Well, not to mention, like... Do we have data backing up weight gain and COVID? Not that I've seen. Not that I've seen. I can seen. go look further, In but fact, I'm just it saying. it seems more likely to me that you would lose weight because of COVID because you can't taste or smell anything and you're not going to be feeling like eating a bunch of food. Anyway, whatever. Who knows but. what her backstory is, but that's... I just wanted to... I sometimes do that in shows where... And it's just <laughs> how my monkey brain works. Um, put something out and then fail to wrap it up. So there you go, Moxie peeps. <laughs> there was a part two. Part two. We like to live with, Goop. you know, a little cliffhanger, so you come back from on. Yes. Okay, well, I have a couple of previously on things, and I want to get the less fun one out of the way first, because it is kind of also a shout out. And briefly, last time when we talked about Lenata, we talked about her going into the Indian boarding school system in the United States, which, which are also called residential schools in Canada. And this is an issue that Roxy and I are both learning more about. And I want to recommend slash shout out Bailey Sarian's Dark History Podcast, which you can either find on your podcaster or you can find on YouTube. And um, in her latest episode, she goes into this topic. So I will try to remember to put a link to her show in the show notes, but that is a great resource if you want to learn more about that. I'm not going to go into it in great detail today. We have other horrible fish to fry. But before we get to frying the horrible fish, I have a more fun previously on regarding both Lenata Warjack and Wilma Mankiller, 
which is to say that Wilma and four of her siblings participated in the occupation of Alcatraz. They weren't there for like a long extended, you know, I mean, it went on for more than a year and a half. So they were there for a little while. But anyway, she writes about it in her autobiography, Man Killer, A Chief and Her People. Wilma says that she gained self-respect and a sense of pride during the Alcatraz occupation. It changed me forever. She says... Throughout the Alcatraz experience and afterwards, I met so many people from other tribes who had a major and enduring effect on me. They changed how I perceived myself as a woman and as a Cherokee. And so, although I couldn't find the receipts specifically to find out if Lineda and Wilma were, like, buddies, but they are only about three years apart in age. I think we'd asked that of each other in a previous Mm -hmm. show, because it just seems like they... They had to know each other. I'm sure that they knew each other. I just couldn't find, like, a great example of that. But they are both examples. Laneda, if you're listening, wink, wink. (laughs) Right? Laneda, if this ever comes to you, you. we would love to know what you... Yeah, your your friendship with Wilmer, how well you knew her. Yeah. Because they're both incredible examples of heroism. I mean, just incredible. Yes. Warrior women. Yeah. Yes. I just wanted to lift that up. And I do have a couple other shout-outs. Um... There is a great episode of True Crime Obsessed with Patrick and Jillian, who I love. It's episode number 209, and they are covering a Dateline episode, which is titled The Secrets of Spirit Lake. And they're talking about a missing indigenous woman, and they bring up this woman, and she is a fucking shero, Lisa Yellowbird. And Lisa Yellowbird has basically dedicated her life to finding missing and murdered indigenous women on behalf of their families because... There's so much fuckery with, like, jurisdictional, la la la, the kids, the more you learn about this, the more fucking ridiculous it will seem, and the more pissed off you will get. But I wanted to lift up Lissa Yellowbird and to recommend going and checking out that episode of either the Dateline show or True Crime Obsessed or both. And also I wanted to shout out Deb Holland, who is the first indigenous person to serve as the Secretary of Interior of the United States of America. Very exciting. Yes. yes. Deb is a member of the Laguna Pueblo Nation, and as the Secretary of the Interior, she oversees the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which gives me some kind of hope. Glimmer of Same. hope. So, shout out Same. to Deb Holland. Thank you for being a badass and a shiro, and we are so glad that you are in that position of power and influence. Hallelujah. Blazing those trails. Okay. Well, I, I think have I a can. Couple of shows. Yeah. Do you yeah. Have any more? No, yeah. Great. I'm. No, okay. Please continue. So, oftentimes I just say, oh, I don't remember, but this time I like actually, t- you know, sent it to myself so I would remember. Okay. okay. So, I want to shout out the 1619 Project. This mm-hmm. is an ongoing mm-hmm. initiative from the New York Times Magazine that began in August of 2019 the 400th anniversary of the beginning of American slavery. It aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. I also want to shout out something that's fucking badass. Oh, but on that note, before we move on, there is also a podcast related to the 1619 Project, so you can go, and I don't remember how many episodes it is, but it's fucking excellent, so check that out. Okay, yeah, Yeah. so 1619, put that in your brain, 1619 Project. Second one is, this is a work that was done by Francis F. Denny, and it's called Major Arcana, Witches in America, 
the artist's second solo show at the Clamp Art Gallery. And it is a collection of portraits of women from across the United States who identify as witches and yes. oh my god, oh my god. it's gorgeous yes, and beautiful i saw a few of these photos mm-hmm. and it's so incredible so oh. check that out y'all awesome those are my two shout outs okay well there's your shout outs peeps um yeah. and but um since i am in the zero slot today i'm gonna turn <laughs> it over to roxy to take us to a very intense shiro town yes it's going to be intense i'll be i don't know well Friends, we're just going to slug our way through this shit. All right. So, we need to take a breather. We can, you know. And we probably will after this story, mm-hmm. at least. Okay, so sources are Wikipedia, FrontlineDefenders.org, TheGlobalAmericans.org, Netflix's powerful documentary, The Three Deaths of Mari Sala Escobedo. I highly recommend this important piece of work. Today, Foxy and friends, I bring you the disturbing, powerful, and enduring story of Mexican social activist and warrior mother with undefeatable moxie, Maricela Escobedo. Foxy and I, and this just gets back to what you just said about Laneda and Wilma, we often say that when we're studying these amazing women, when you study a shiro, it just leads you inevitably to more and more shiros. Mm -hmm. And that is called moxie magic. Yes, it is. And Maricela and others had or have a never-ending supply of moxie magic. So it's interesting. I was initially going to cover uh, a woman who's been called the real-life Liam Neeson from the Taken movies. Her name is Miriam Rodriguez, and Miriam will receive her due on this podcast because she's another fucking badass Shiro. But I was searching for Miriam and was led to Mari Sala by accident. Like, mm-hmm. complete, perfect yeah, accident. Meant to be. Meant to be. And so, let's get into it. Maricela was born in 1958 in Juarez, Chihuahua. She was a nurse and business owner, and her family and loved ones described her as a go-getter, a.k.a. badass. Mm -hmm. She was also a loving mother. Maricela had three boys. She always wanted a girl, and finally she had a girl, the youngest, uh, Ruby. Oh, Ruby. Mm -hmm, Little Ruby. I know, it's a sweet name. Maricela and Ruby had a close relationship, but things went south because of puberty, because, you know, like, stuff's going on, Mm -hmm. along with absolute male fuckery. Mm. So, Maricela owns businesses, and this guy comes in, a young guy comes in, uh, pleading for work, begging for work, and she's a kind person, so she does the kind thing, and she hires this person unfortunately this man would turn out to be a complete piece of shit Mm. he was a pedophile and murderer oh fuck our story begins in 2005 when 13 year old ruby maricela's daughter fell in love with sergio barazza bocanegra who was 21 at the time 1321. Despite the family's strong opposition the couple moved in together and they had a daughter everything seemed okay like marisala had she immediately when she realized she was not going to be able to fucking stop this bullshit because she doesn't have the fucking help she needs from nobody cares 
Mm-hmm. And we're going to get back this, like, nobody seems to fucking care. Mm-hmm. I care. We care. Mm-hmm. People do care. So we'll, we'll come back around. But she immediately gives them apartment. You know, she's doing everything she can to help them have the best life. Not only for her daughter. She's doing it for her daughter and her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. But, okay, let's go back to this piece of shit. Everything seems okay. Then in 2008, Ruby just fucking vanishes. And Sergio can't be found either for a while. Mm. But the family eventually tracks him down and he claims, oh, Ruby just left me for another man. And Marisala knows that uh, Ruby would never fucking leave her daughter. No. Never. So they file a missing persons report, which was only made official by the police six weeks later. In the meantime, Sergio disappeared. Of course he did. Of course he fucking did. Mm-hmm. Six weeks. Shit. Uh-huh. Shit. Mm. This... Oh, God. Anyway. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, keep the foot on the pedal. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, mm-hmm. but I gotta. All right. So, led by Marisala, the family looked for Ruby all over Juarez and on the border of El Paso, Texas, fearing Ruby could have fallen prey to human garbage traffickers. Marisala and one of her sons found Sergio and plastered his neighborhood with posters offering money for any information regarding her daughter's disappearance. Finally, a witness comes forward, Mm. this young kid, basically, saying that Sergio had told him and some other men who were standing around a fire that night that he'd murdered Ruby and dumped her body after he burned it. Thanks to Marisala and her family's diligence, Sergio was arrested. There diligence yeah sergio confessed to the crime under custody even told police where ruby's body had been taken months after her death ruby's remains were finally found half burned in what was basically a dumping ground for pig parts god and her mother was there oh my god and so were several of her siblings Mm outrageously ruby's fate is common in juarez the city has a history of femicide moxie peeps femicide is happening all over this world and we must talk about it and we must act yes back to juarez though Mm -hmm. as one of mexico's trafficking epicenters its high crime rate skyrocketed under president Felipe Caladron's War on Drugs between 2006 and 2012. According to the World Bank, the national homicide rate in Mexico was 22.5 murders for every 100,000 people in 2010. Y'all, I am amped up. I'm going to try to breathe. In Chihuahua, it was 188 per 100,000. The global average at the time was six deaths per 100,000 people. This is the ungodly fucking backdrop for Maricela's quest for justice for her daughter, Ruby. And that gets us back to our story. Sergio confesses, tells the police where the body is. He confesses in the courtroom at his fucking trial that he murdered Ruby and even attempts to apologize to Maricela. By the way, fuck him and his apology. Uh. No, whatever. Thank you. Not accepted. Okay, here's the fucking punch in the in the fucking soul. All of this and these fucking judges 
bonus zeros. Unfortunately, not the last in this story. Absolve Sergio. He fucking walks, and then he fucking runs. Mm-hmm. To the now former judges, and I could only find the name of the woman judge, which that's pretty fucking telling, but still, to all three of you, you will face justice. She will find you, and when she does, I hope you feel the terror that Ruby felt, and the fucking unimaginable pain and insult that Marisala felt. Catalina Ochoa, I only have your name, but fuck you and fuck your spineless male colleagues. Yes. Boo! Boo! Rubbish! Boo! Breath. The documentary I watched had footage of the courtroom that day, and it was absolutely horrendous. It was fucking shattering. And Maricela said right after that Ruby was murdered a second time by those goddamn judges, Mm -hmm. and she fucking Mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. Ugh. You know, that's enough to ruin a person's life. That's that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Maricela was a shiro. And she was a mother in every sense of the word. She would not rest until she'd done every possible thing within her power to get justice for Ruby. The day after that appalling shit show in the courtroom, quotation marks around courtroom, Uh Sala began marching. And others saw her and joined her cause. Some of them in similar situations where a daughter or sister or niece or mother has been missing or murdered and justice denied. So Marisala marches from city to city to city, and her movement gains momentum. Meanwhile, the family learned that Sergio had joined Los Zetas, one of Mexico's most violent cartels that worked with people like, or had people working for them, I should say, like, oh, I don't know, the police? Mm -hmm. Judges? Maybe even governors? Mm. Hmm, We'll get to that. The Escobedo family started receiving death threats, but Maricela refused to go into hiding. And she even says at the opening of the documentary something to the the effect of, I do not fear death. She's already been killed once, Mm -hmm. now twice. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. So Maricela does not go running. She stages a protest in the most public of places, the square in front of the governor's palace of Chihuahua, where weeks earlier a new conservative patriarchal piece of shit governor had been sworn in. Elected on a law and order platform, then governor Cesar Duarte hated Marisala. First of all, he wouldn't meet with her at all. Even though Mexico knew about this case, many, many people in Mexico, not just in Chihuahua, are fucking pissed. They're Mm -hmm. like, that did not just happen in that courtroom. That did not just fucking happen. But this guy won't talk. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. And she, so what does she do when he's being sworn in as governor? She unfurls this long thing where she calls all of them out and... Of course, the press immediately hones in on it, and she disgraces him. And we all know that men don't like that very well, too. No, that tends to get right up under their skin. The patriarchy really doesn't like being called out. No. Mm, That doesn't stop her. No. 
Because Maricela would not just be a good girl and go away, this piece of shit let her speak to the attorney general. He's like, oh, I'll throw you a crumb. Mm -hmm. And so she gives the attorney general detailed knowledge about Ruby's case and the cartels because she and one of her sons have been stalking them. (laughs) She's doing their Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And according to one of her lawyers, Gabino Gomez, this was Marisala's death sentence. Mm. Marisala refused to leave the square in front of the governor's palace until she received justice. On the evening of December 16, 2010, Marisala was holding a peaceful vigil together with other families of victims of femicide against the absolution of her daughter's killer outside the Chihuahua State Governor's office. A security video shows a car arrive at the scene after the vigil, carrying several men. One man gets out and shoots Maricela in the head, killing her later at the hospital. Jesus. Killing her body only. Mm-hmm. The news of Maricela's death shocked Mexico. People all over marched and they screamed Maricela hear this we support your fight and Maricela lives and under mounting pressure this fucking piece of shit governor who by the way later fled to Florida after stealing millions from his people law and order mm-hmm. that's always code for shitbag yes it is he announced to the police that he had made an arrest in Maricela's case the suspect Jose Enrique Jimenez Zavala confessed to killing Marisala and to one other shooting. But the only eyewitness in Marisala's case, her brother, didn't recognize Jimenez. He's like, this is not the guy who killed her. This mm-hmm, is this mm-hmm. this is bullshit. Patsy. Mm-hmm. The eyewitness knew that Marisala's killer was in fact Sergio's older brother, Andy. Barazza, mm-hmm. who was with the cartels in a big way. That totally makes sense. Despite this evidence, eyewitness Barazza was never formally investigated. And in December of 2014, Jimenez was found dead in his maximum security cell under suspicious, quotation marks, circumstances. Uh-huh. He'd had a heart attack. Uh, I'm sure. Heart uh-huh. attack, air quotes, yeah. Yeah. The documentary, Uh, The Three Deaths of Maricela Escobedo, details further the evidence of corruption and cover-ups at the highest levels of government in Chihuahua and, frankly, in Mexico. This does not excuse this country in any way. I am not throwing shade at Mexico. I am simply talking about what is fucking happening there and, frankly, all over the world still. Yeah. Femicide. It reveals the violence women face Every single day, the femicide that is in fact happening as I speak. So we have to get this issue out there so that everyone we know has at least heard about femicide from us. Moxie's in this world. We can also and will also find ways to support the end of femicide, the end of patriarchy, the end of this hell realm that evil men have created. Yes. A y'all to that. A y'all. So let's get back to our story. Inspired by Maricela, the Escobedo family is still fighting for justice for Ruby and for Maricela. 
In 2019, they presented a case against Mexico to the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. That does not roll off the tongue, so I'm going to use an acronym here in just a little wee-wee. I'm glad there is such a thing. (laughs) Yes, and we're going to come back to that. Juan Manuel Marisala's son, one of her sons, is now leading the battle, and he has been, he was with Marisala throughout the entire thing. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful human being, and, oh, I'll get back to you, Juan, in just a minute. All right, so let's flash to the latest I could find on this case. On November 2nd, 2020, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, IACHR, notified the Mexican state of the complaint filed against it regarding the femicide of Ruby and the murder Maricela. The international complaint was presented by the family of Maricela Escobedo and the accompanying organizations. So we've got some bonus Mm -hmm. peeps. Good. The Center for Women's Human Rights, C-E-D-E-H-M, said M. I like to like make it make sounds. <laughs> the Center for Justice and International Law, Siegel, that's what I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like V'ger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. But kids, you gotta laugh when and where you can. Yeah, you gotta take a break. You gotta find a giggle. And also the organization Mexicans in Exile. Taking Maricela's case... To the inter-American human rights system is a commitment to her family and to her struggle, but it is also the way to demand that the state recognizes its responsibility in the serious human rights violations that have been committed, particularly in the state of Chihuahua. The organizations hope that, following the state's response, the IACHR will decide to admit the case and subsequently find Mexico internationally responsible for the violation of the human rights of Ruby, Maricela, and their family. And the hope remains that the walk for the end of impunity, which Maricela began in 2010, will continue to advance until justice is done. So this is a sad and gut-wrenching story. I, again, peeps, go watch that documentary. Mm. It is fucking powerful. This is a sad and gut-wrenching story that no one should ever have to tell. No one should ever have to say the words that I just said. Mm -hmm. No one should ever have to go through what that family has been through. This is a fucking disgrace. It is a blight on our shared humanity. Yes, it is. To Maricela's family, my heart broke for you upon hearing Maricela's story, your story. And Foxy and I will continue to tell Ruby's and Maricela's stories and others like them. Our hearts are with you as you continue to press for justice. Maricela will forever be a symbol of unwavering strength and relentless bravery. And I want to end with this. This scene was so powerful. Maricela's son, Juan, said at his mother's funeral, She fought to her last breath and died on the front lines. Our mom was a hero because she did things that no one in the city had ever done. She fought on her own against rain and thunder. Against all the odds, she fought. She taught us a lesson in fortitude. I ask you all to give my mom a big round of applause. And 
we absolutely are and do. Yes. Fuck. That was so intense. Yeah. We should we should take a break. Okay, so we're gonna take a little break and we'll be back in just a mo. Please enjoy the uh intermission music. <laughs> Okay, well, we're back from my break. A little moment to digest that really intense Shiro story. And now we are going to head into another kind of story. Um, Roxanne, I'm excited to share this one because when I first heard it, I knew we would have to cover it. And we're going to continue this conversation around missing and murdered indigenous women, specifically those of Juarez, Mexico. Another Moxie Magic moment. We didn't plan it this way, no, but both no. of our stories take place in Juarez. I've intentionally not done any research on this, so yeah. Yeah. Um, now, we know from our past episode on Laneda and Goop, um, <laughs> <laughs> indigenous women are ten times more likely to be murdered than the national average, and only one in five will not experience sexual violence or abuse during her lifetime. Fucking unacceptable. That is just... Mm. This femicide will not stand. We are here to do something about it alongside our Moxie sisters out there doing the good work. And today we're going to talk about a woman who is not truly a zero. That's right. I pulled a fast one. <laughs> and we are actually discussing a fucking badass anti-shero known as Diana Hunter of Bus Drivers. My sources for this story, well, my first source for this story is equally a shout out to one of my favorite podcasts called That's Spooky with spooky bitches Tyler and Johnny up in Canada. And Tyler covered this story on their show on episode 158 called Gout Flakes. Their episodes always have really funny, weird titles. <laughs> I'm just like picturing that. Gout Ooh. Flakes. I don't know how they got there, know. but it makes you want to like listen to the episode and find out how they got there. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Tyler. I was fascinated and captivated by this story. Thank you as well to April A. Taylor for her article about Diana on Ranker from 2017. An article by Joe Tuckerman for The Guardian from September of 2013. And an article by Yuri Herrera for This American Life on NPR. So we're going to stay in Juarez and we are moving forward in time to the year 2013. And it just occurred to me during our break that um, this woman, Diana, that we're about to talk about would have been in Juarez to participate in and or at least witness all of this stuff that we talked about in the last story. And so to understand the context of that and then what else had been going on in Juarez, you see the women of Juarez had long been targets of violence, rape and murder. During the decades spanning 1993 to 2003, between 260 and 370 women were murdered there. Those are just the ones we know about, so in all likelihood, that number is actually far higher. Oh, I, yeah, I think so. Many of the women of Juarez were, of course, struggling with the daily indignity of poverty and often having to travel by bus to the factories and other jobs on the edges of town. Because, you know, thanks to America, American companies would go in and set up workshops, <clears throat> sweatshops mm -hmm. uh, on, you know, big ass factories on the edges of town. So these women would be having to travel back and forth by bus to these jobs. 
And sometimes it would be nighttime when the women got on the buses, and sometimes they would suddenly find themselves the last person on the bus, which meant that they could potentially also find that they were victims. It was speculated that a number of the bus drivers in Juarez had raped and or murdered women over the decades, and the local police did absolutely nothing to solve it or to stop nothing to stop it or to solve these cases. In addition, some of them were involved with human trafficking, which is why some of these women went missing. For example, this is from the this, this American Life piece, quote, Oscar Maynez, who worked for some of these cases as a criminologist, explained to me the way the authorities became complicit in the murders. First, they denied the problem, he said. Then they played it down. And finally, they blamed the victim's lifestyle and their families. The criminologist resigned, he said, after realizing his superiors were more interested in covering up investigations and tampering with evidence than in finding justice. Yep. So, enter our anti-shero, Diana. Mm. Come on, Diana. She was later described as a dark-skinned woman in her 50s with either a blonde wig or dyed blonde hair, wearing jeans, a plaid shirt, and a cap. She became the defender of women, and in the broad light of day, climbed aboard the number four bus and shot the driver to death. It was August 28th at 7.45 a.m. The following morning, on the same bus route, she did the same thing, killing a second driver. She sent a letter to the newspaper after the second killing, saying, You may think that because we are women, we are weak. And that may be true, but only up to a point, because even though we have nobody to defend us and we have to work long hours until late into the night to earn a living for our families, we can no longer be silent in the face of these acts that enrage us. We were victims of sexual violence from bus drivers working the Maquia night shifts here in Juarez, and although a lot of people know about the things we've suffered, nobody defends us, nor does anything to protect us. That's why I'm an instrument that will take revenge for many women. For we are seen as weak, but in reality, we are not. We are brave, and if we don't get respect, we will earn that respect with our own hands. We, the women of Juarez, are strong. Chills the good kind. Right? Yes. <sighs> Just want to sit in the satisfaction of that for a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said earlier, nobody should have to write that letter. Nobody should have to go shoot people on a That's bus. That's what I was just thinking. Like, she shouldn't even have to fucking do that. Mm-mm. But you know what? Nobody defends us. Nobody does anything. Nobody gives the a shit. authorities nobody are cares. actively covering up these murders and do not give a shit. Fama fucking side. Fama side. No. Yeah, so young mother Sandra said they must have done something terrible to her. With the police doing nothing and a society that doesn't care, it is understandable that she took justice into her own hands. Boom. Fuck yeah, Sandra. There is admiration, too. I'm not sure what she does justified, Margarita says, but you've got to admit that that woman has guts. Or moxie, as we like to say. Yes, we would call it moxie. Laura, a 25-year-old mother pregnant with her second baby, answered the question of what she would do if she met Diana. She said, quote, I would congratulate her. When I heard about what she did, I said, how great that someone's doing what many of us should have done. Yes. Erica, a woman on number on a number 10 bus said, quote, we have seen so much in Juarez and it, it has been so terrible that almost nothing about killing shocks us anymore. And when she asked about the murdered bus driver, she said, quote, perhaps they will realize that it is not so easy to abuse women now. Mm-hmm. 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 
For several years after Diana enacted vengeance on behalf of the women of Juarez, the attacks against women did go down to some degree. Unfortunately, and this is part of the larger overall problem we are talking about this month in regards to both MMIW and human trafficking, those crime rates began to climb again in 2017, with the city seeing 84 people murdered in the month of February alone. 84 people murdered in one month. When I was actually going through the research for this, those it's it's staggering. part of the reason i, I didn't mean, put it in my story because i'm already dealing with this mm-hmm, fucking mm-hmm. shit but i did come across that i was like are you fucking kidding me yeah. but i wasn't even surprised though after i had seen I this story yeah yeah it's like what the fuck yeah so despite more than 20 eyewitnesses to the crimes diana was never identified and she lives on in full glory as the hunter of bus drivers and the defender of women and girls of juarez and for her bold vengeance moxie we salute her whoever she may be big fucking applause go diana And I also want to mention there is a very important project sponsored by the Seattle Times that is working to rectify this situation. It is called Disappearing Daughters, headed up by Moxie Women, Corinne Chin, and Erica Schultz. And there is a wealth of information and care there. Um, And I will post that link in the show notes. Um, But if you just search Seattle Times Femicide Juarez, you will find that article or that project website. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's very beautiful. You can read and hear from the women who are survivors, those who are advocating for their loved ones, and see pictures of these women. There's a quote from a woman named Ernestina Enriquez Fierro, who, which breaks my fucking heart. She sa- says, I ask, is being a woman a crime? Because sadly, we are made to feel that it is all over the fucking world, which is why... <laughs> Roxy and I are here to petrify the patriarchy and burn it the fuck down. Rise, sisters, rise. No one else will defend us. No one else will help us. We have to help each other and ourselves. And we fucking will. A-y'all. A-y'all. So, yeah. Diana, hunter of bus drivers. We salute we you. We fucking Big salute you. Big fucking moxie salute. <sighs> so, another emotional one, but at least that one has some level of, like, I don't know. There's no such thing as a happy ending with these kind of fucking things taking place in the world. But in terms of, I just love it that no one turned her in, even though more than 20 people saw her do this. Mm-hmm. Because they do. They, yeah. they fucking have That's it. why I wanted to include the voices of other women of Juarez who were interviewed in those stories of all of them saying like, yeah, she fucking did shit that I wished I'd done or that we, a lot of us should have done sooner or whatever. And, like, maybe it's time for another Diana to rise in Juarez because shit's just fucking off the chain. Here's and it's what not I just think. there. It's time for Diana to rise everywhere. Every fucking where. Mm-hmm. You yes. are correct, sister. You are correct. Well, let me add a shout-out connected to mine because there there are ways that we can become more involved, friends, and... Frontlinedefenders.org is really a website worth visiting. They're doing important work. Theglobalamericans.org is also a very important resource. And, you know, it had that acronym that you can't just say, Uh, (laughs) let me see if I can find it here. The Inter-American Commission on Human Rights um, 
I'm going to spend a little more time looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're obviously doing good work. Yeah. Yeah. So to everyone who is doing this hard, hard, important work. Yes. We thank you. Everyone we've mentioned and everyone we haven't mentioned. And again, Moxie friends, like if you know more about these topics or you have stories you want to point us to, we would really appreciate that. But yeah, I, I think it's time to uh, switch gears. Yeah. And we're going to go different direction. We're going to go down to Recommendation Station. I like the see what's on the train station. today. All right. I have a good one. and I, But I, if yeah, I want you to go first if you have something. I do. I'm going to recommend a band called Girl Who Drew a Gun. It's Ooh, fucking yeah. a Badass band. Uh, find them, Moxie Peeps. They are on Insta. They are on Facebook. They are on YouTube. They are everywhere, and they are fucking badass. And they're singing. And and the lead vocalist, uh, Louisa Roach, um, she's amazing. And the writing is fucking just—it's on fire. fire yeah. It is. Yeah. It's it's fucking rad. So she drew the gun. Check them out. Yes. I love, some love. I love it. Well, I have a movie recommendation, and it is called Paradise Hills. It stars Mila Jojovich, who we love. Yes. Emma Roberts, who we love from Coven and other American mm-hmm. Horror Story seasons. Aquafina, who's a badass. I don't know Aquafina. Um, Aiza, I want to say Aiza. You think Aiza? Or Aiza? 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 Gonzalez. I'm sorry, no, Ms. Gonzalez. I'm not sure on your first name, but anyway. Uh, Danielle McDonald, who you may know from Dumpling or Unbelievable, which, I mean, fucking Unbelievable was like a devastating, earth-shattering feminist true crime story. Like, it was a dramatized series, but it was based in fact, and she did an amazing job. Anyway, mm. Danielle McCl- McDonald. Anyway, um, this piece, Paradise Hills, was written and directed by Alice Waddington, who is a Spanish filmmaker, and this is her first feature-length work, and she totally fucking smashed it. Major moxie, major kudos. It is beautiful and feminist sci-fi horror. And also, oh my God, I found out that Alice Waddington is working on a TV show in development with Lisa Henson... Of the Henson family yeah, of wonder yeah. makers. Yeah. And Hallie Stanford, who I don't frankly know, but she's another lady. Okay. <laughs> she's a gal, so she gets a shout out to, which is called The Witchlands. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to see what these imme- uh, these amazing ladies are coming up with, well, because well, there's well. some more Moxie Witch magic we coming. We like witchy stuff. We do, so mm. keep an eye out for that. Witchy Moxie babies. <laughs> the Witchlands, coming from Alice Waddington and team. But in the meantime, check out Paradise Hills if you're into that sort of stuff. It was really just gorgeous. Like, I can't wait for you to see it. Um, the costumes and the sets and the... Oh. I like that sort of thing, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. and all amazing ladies. I was telling Roxy there's really only a couple of guys that even have like half of a kind of you know a few lines but mm. the rest of the men in it are just kind of servant window dummies. people window dummies yeah um as well, vampire would call that's them a, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> 
Props to you, Mela. Uh, that was Vampire's real name. You can find that episode on our super spooky double divas. That's but right. anyway, um, I will shout out another a movie, another movie, Seance. And I'm going to shout this out because like that one, it's feminist and it's like a horror thriller. And it did actually make me guess. The writing is very good. A woman named Corinne, I can't remember her last name at this moment, uh, wrote and I believe directed it. And um, very diverse cast. And there's one guy in the movie, and he really is only there at the end. So it's just all these young women. Fabulous. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. So living for that kind of stuff. The writing is what really stood out to me the most. I was like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she went to, she went over there, and I didn't think she was going to go over there. Like, okay. I love it when they can keep me guessing. Me too. Well, kids, we're not going to keep you guessing too much longer, but we do have some exciting surprises still in store for the winter season. But before we get there with our fabulous um, seasonal gifts, we are going to do a couple of really fun December episodes because it is Fox's birthday month. Fox's birthday. Put so on some music. we are yes, <laughs> and don't make it Christmas carols because I'll stab you. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that to don't me, do kids. That. Don't do it to me. Um, but, but <laughs> even Jesus is like, would you please? Stop would you doing stop that? with the jingle bells would already? You please, really? Uh, Santa Claus is like, mm, no. I've heard that one before. <laughs> Yes, so we're going to have a fabulous Double Diva, and then we have a really fun, super fun uh, season closer that's going to actually come out on my birthday. Um, And then we'll get into the fabulous surprises and treats. We'll have more news for you on that very, very soon. It's all in the works. It's all in the cauldron. We're stirring. We're adding some sprinkles. Putting some potion together. It's going to be so groovy. But in the meantime, please go and check out our new presences on the YouTubes and the TikToks. You can find us at Moxie Sisters with an X instead of an S at the end. It's really fucking punk rock. And it makes it easier to find us. Which was Roxy's brilliant idea. So cheers for you on that. (laughs) Uh, We are also on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a Gmail email for the old school electronic mails, which we would love to have from you. Uh, We want to hear about what you want to hear about. So drop us a line. Tell tell us what you're just, what divas and sheroes and amazing women you would like for us to celebrate or... If you have a villain, you can send her on over and we will we will drag that asshole That's for filth, right. as Foxy often says. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'd love for you to come join the party on any of the socials and or video formats. Talk to us, tell us what you want, DM us, send us your cat pictures, anything really. Yeah, whatever. Not hate mail. Yeah, please save the hate mail. <laughs> if you have to write it, just don't send you it send to us. You send that shit, you better remember you're dealing with witches. Yeah, be, yeah. Yeah, tread carefully, children. <laughs> no, but in the meantime, we hope that you're having a lovely um, autumnal season. Yes. And having some relaxation time, hopefully, here and there. And, you know, just giving yourself some good, cozy loving during the autumn time. Well, and Moxie Peeps, keep telling these stories, if you yes. would, please. Yes. And lifting up amazing women like Lenata and Wilma and Joy and Deb and many others. Yes, yes, indeed. Share, speak their names. Speak their names, share their stories, share the moxie magic with others, and especially lift up our indigenous sisters out there in the world. Yes. We are going to bring an end to this horrific epidemic, and it's going to take all hands on deck, and it's going to have to come from lots of levels and lots of directions. So 
I know there's lots of feelings tied up in learning about this really hard stuff, but you have to just make space for yourself to feel those feelings and move on through it because we have to work on behalf of everyone else too, especially those who can't do it for themselves. Yes, and and that includes Maricela and Ruby. Yes, it does. Yeah. All right, kids. Well, until next time, please enjoy the outtake giggles at the end here, and we will see you. Uh, well, see you. Well, not really. <laughs> soon, we will see we you will through be our minds. Um, psychically, and I'm yes, gonna in turn into a ghost, and I'm gonna come into your bedroom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I would love to see, though, like, if we could somehow magically see what other people see in their heads when they first hear our voices and, like, try to imagine oh, who we fun. are. Like, yeah, wouldn't yeah, that yeah, be a yeah. treat? Oh, my God. Yeah, that would. Or mm-hmm. it might be, like, not Or it might be I a don't nightmare. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's good that we can't see that. I don't know. <laughs> All right, darlings. Take care of one another. And, um, yes, own your own moxie. Be your own Shiro. And rise up. That's right. Rise up. Be a too much woman and share it with your sisters and siblings out there. We love you. Moxie's out. Okay. Casting the magic podcast circle. Yay. Mm -hmm. All right. Will you do something for me before we get too far into this? Yes. Um, Because I can trim this, but will you turn that little fan off? I forgot to do that. I just noticed that sound. Lucky for us, the boomers next door have stopped using power tools for right now, so... Mm. Yay, that'll help. That does help. Okay. They need like a three-hour lunch and stuff. Yeah, maybe they're having a lunch break. Maybe they're done for the day. I don't know. One can hope. Between 2006 and 2012. 2000, 2000. 1982 paper. Yep. So we've got to get this issue out. We have got to talk to everyone we know about what's happening in this world. All the moxies in this world, I know you're already doing this work. Let's keep at it. Let's keep the foot on the ta- on the table. <laughs> Let's keep our feet on the table. And fucking... Get your goddamn feet off the motherfucking table and put them on that motherfucking pedal. Or stand on the table and like start kicking some there, patriarchal bitches in the head. We got excited, so Cher's excited too I'm now. I'm sorry. The energy's a little bit much. Isn't Thank it? you, Cher. She's I'll helping us. Break it up. She's there like, you guys are doing a story. I don't like this story, though. I feel though. angry, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I need to stop saying Maricela. Sorry. Sorry, Maricela. First of all, there's a really excellent episode of True Crime Obsessed. It's, I think, number 209. I don't think. I fucking oh, looked I it up. Too. I, I skipped that whole segment. Um, well, okay, we're doing it now. We're good, doing it now. Good. Okay. Um, I mean, I have a recommendation for later, but, like, I forgot to do this. I didn't do the shout-outs. Yeah. Yeah, We just totally skipped it. Anyway. Narrative. Narrative. I got stuck because I'm, like, really excited about this. (laughs) Damn. Yes. Boom. Go. Yes. Is it working? Are we back yet? Yes, we are. Okay. The... Fuck. Let me look this up. Sorry. (laughs) God damn it. I should have just gotten her first name. No. Okay. She drew. Oh, yeah, that makes me feel better. There, I just needed to just stem with my soft blanket on my face, like in uh, the producers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Louisa Roach. I did have that right. Okay. okay. I don't know why I was dying myself. Take two. Witchy, foxy, witchy, foxy. <laughs> Send us we're going dirty, to put her bags. in a sandwich bag and we're going to beat her all over the place. <laughs> no, that's terrible. I don't really mean that. <laughs> Take that off. That might go in the attic. <laughs>
<laughs> no, I flashed to that um, history tidbit from Germany where you have a sack full of rocks and you get to hit the man, but he's in a hole. In the we love ya. Moxie. Oh, I forgot our cue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yay, we did it. Okay, do, do. stop.